0: Hi, this is Alan Olson and welcome to American Dreams. My guest today is Corey Warfield. Corey, welcome to today's show. Thanks so much for having me, Alan, and thanks for everyone for tuning in. So I'm excited about this. You have a lot of really good insight to the AI, the web 3.0, you've launched companies, you help others launch your LinkedIn influencers. I think there's a lot of really good content uh, for our listeners today, but first, before we get down the road and talking about that, I'd like to spend a few uh, minutes here talking about your path in life. Your, you know, what brought you up to where you are today. Well, okay. thank thank you for that. So I spent the majority of
1: my adulthood working in restaurants. I was a waiter and a bartender, certified as a sommelier, and I did that from my very early twenties until I was close to forty, and. Yeah, I worked at the highest levels of, of dining, so I'd wait on all the cool rock stars and movie stars I'd growing up idolizing, and that was interesting. And it really instilled a hospitality and service mindset, which has served me well in kind of my post-hospitality life. But about seven years ago, I finally just got burnt out. I was I was kind of tired of being a servant in the castle, although I got to room shoulders with all these amazing people and you know, they'd order the five thousand dollar bottles of wine pour me a glass. So I was drinking fine wine with the with these ultra high net worth individuals, but I was wearing the monkey suit, right? It just wasn't it wasn't apples to apples. And I was working so many hours, my feet would hurt. And and most frustrating was that I never knew when I was working in the restaurant industry. Uh, in most countries, at least, and certainly in the U. S. They they love to do what they call on call shifts, and they change your schedule last moment. So I did something very uncharacteristic for myself at the time, and I started a technology company. I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew that data existed that could help the scheduling of restaurant employees more predictable. We got pretty lucky. We were on trend with some compliance and some legislation that rolled out. Uh, I found a co-founder. We bootstrapped it to market and then started getting into big accelerators and raising bigger funding rounds and growing the team and growing the revenue. And so it was really interesting. It was a crash course in kind of everything. It's You know, I went into this knowing way more about beef and wine than most people in the world, and I had to learn to speak uh, acronym very quickly and learn what KPIs are and LTB and all these things. So uh, it was was a crash course in entrepreneurship that ended up uh, having me mentor others through the Founder Institute. And I spent years mentoring there uh, throughout the Midwest, and we helped launch hundreds of companies. I ended up joining them as a managing director for some time and, uh, my time became a little short. So now I'm an entrepreneur in residence with them. Um, but I've seen as someone that went through accelerators and then helped, uh, you know, kind of run a regional accelerator alternative, I saw a lot of what I did and didn't like. So I co-founded my own, uh, launch pad. And we've got decarbon. It's about 15 web three companies that are all building carbon neutral. Um, and so I've kind of fallen into this role where I use my influence on LinkedIn to talk about the companies and people that I work with and love, and um, that's proven to be a pretty fun journey. And fairly recently, uh, with technology taking everybody's jobs, and we, we thought, well, if technology wants to do our jobs, that's okay as long as we still get the paycheck. So we, we started a think tank that turned into a company called Uplift, and we'll be launching our first three uh unconditional basic income projects
0: and pilots this year. Wow, you are truly an entrepreneur, Corey. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's interesting that uh, it's not just one thing, but you're, you're obviously multitasking a lot and a lot of opportunities. So I'd like to move down, uh, down the line, and we'll circle back to some of these companies later. Now, you've been quoted as saying the metaverse could be a gateway to the fourth dimension. What do you mean by that? Thanks for asking
1: that. And that was great homework. I said that at the Metaverse Expo in the keynote I gave. But I believe that the Metaverse can help us transcend both space and time. And so I'm the chief growth officer at a company called Agora World. And we're we're Canva for the Metaverse, drag and drop, no code, freemium uh, Metaverse creation. But we just got a big grant today from the company that made Google Earth and Google Maps immersive. And so the goal with that is we want people to be able to meet each other in Google Maps. I want people to be able to come to my place here in Rio without having to leave their comfort of their seat in, in San Francisco or what have you. And so that invariably starts to transcend uh, space, right? If, if two people can meet at the same time in the same environment and have the same surroundings and shared experience, that to me starts to not only make the world but potentially the universe much smaller. And when I look at things like AI's predictive uh, com- capabilities and using data to forecast the future to to rebuild the past, we look at situations where uh, the technology is pretty close to being able to reconstruct a digital version of a grandparent, reconstruct their personality based on X amount of data points, be able to come up with some pretty compelling reconstructions of their past, and you can go into an in- virtual environment i've got my vr headset right here put it on see your grandparent talk to them although they may have been deceased for years and retroly it's a little bit difficult because a lot of them only had black and white pictures and kept their lives private but as we move into this digital age where most of us have immortalized most of our life digitally you can start to see very quickly how our grandchildren might be able to recreate ourselves and so to me that starts to be a a way that we can get into the future and the past and potential realities and transcend space and so i really do view it
0: as a way that we're we're changing our reality as human beings so according in this rapidly evolving world of ai are, are you concerned with where it's potentially headed very much so
1: um and I'm, I'm a big maxi. I started using GPT the day that it came out. I've been playing with the, some earlier uh, versions, very limited. Uh, prior, I played with a lot of the new ones. And I think people are, are a little bit, not, not everyone, but a lot of people that are interested in AI haven't quite understood that Apple hasn't released theirs yet. IBM hasn't released theirs yet. We're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg of Google's AI. Meta has some really great AI products that they've been building. So ChatGPT so far until this week was only based on certain data through September 2021. With all the new models and the llamas and the lambdas and these different large language models that can access real-time data and that can predict even more and that are getting more emotional intelligence and trying to think more like humans, there's a lot of... Potentially amazing or potentially terrible things to come. And what I've been saying for, I guess, about a year now is everything that's AI generated should be minted on a blockchain. We should know the source of truth. We should have a chain of custody. We should know what came out of somebody's mind or somebody's computer. We should know what problems created what things. And so long as we have those guardrails, then I'm not too concerned about AI. I think we're close to the artificial general intelligence that you know people say is the first the singularity. I don't know. If, have you seen the Auto GPTs? I have not. No, they prompt themselves. There's there's a, f- a free version people can play with called Agent GPT. And rather than prompting it and then prompting it again and trying to figure that out, you give it a a, a thing that it needs to do, and it figures it out. and prompts itself. It uses logic. It can source the internet. That's where AI is going really quickly.
0: What advice do you have for the inspiring entrepreneurs thinking about starting their own companies or people with amazing ideas that really don't know where to start? Well, the,
1: taking the first step is the only important thing right now because Every barrier to entry is off the table. You no longer need to be able to code. Google Bard is phenomenal at writing and checking and deploying code. You no longer need to be able to put together a financial model. There are AI tools that can do that. Pitch decks, you don't need to be great at a pitch deck. There's AI that can take your idea and turn it into a beautiful pitch deck. There are several sites, but one I like is called framer.com. They can build you a beautiful website that will convert. that's SEO friendly. Most of these tools right now are free. So you don't need money, you don't need expertise. At this point, you need two things. You need to be crazy enough to just start, <laughs> and you need to familiarize yourself with how to use artificial intelligence. And that's really it. And it's so nascent that the quote-unquote experts don't have a huge head start on anyone else. In other words, someone watching this right now that doesn't even know how to prompt chat GPT could become competitively as... Uh, up on the different AIs and how to use them as as many people that they perceive as experts right now in a matter of weeks.
0: Now, Corey, uh, one thing you're very, very good at is uh, obviously connecting people. You're uh, building communities. And if I ask the question of people that are looking at wanting to build their own community, uh, what is your approach to... uh, to setting out in that direction? How do you build a community to get it interactive and effective? Well, that's a great question,
1: Ellen, and it's really similar to what I work with people one-on-one for their personal brands on LinkedIn, and it's all about having communications. Communities don't want to be talked at. Communities don't want to be pushed and shoved and told what to think or say. Communities want to be heard and listened to. Communities want to be cultivated. So, People that are in it for the long haul that want to create a community that really cares about who they are and what they're doing, you don't show up and tell them all about yourself and what you're doing. You start to hold space and ask them about their self, right? All of a sudden, people start asking you the same thing. There's reciprocity. There's so many ways to build a community off leveraging other communities. If you like NFTs, buy into a couple projects and join their Discord, although you won't see me there because I, I don't do Discord. Or if you want to start a Facebook group, join a couple Facebook groups, make some friends, right? It's really easy to cross-pollinate communities because it's all about collaboration. I've I've started many communities and we always look for other communities to send people to as well, right? We don't want to be the only act in the in, in the play. We, we just want people to, to come see the play.
0: So as a follow-up uh, with early founders that you work for, um, What are your thoughts for these individuals as they're setting out to raise money pre-revenue? Don't do it.
1: (laughs) Every investor will tell you they're going to write a check, and they never will until you've got revenue. It's a way of de-risking it. By far, what you need to do is find a way to get product early to market so you can really determine a product-to-market fit, show some early traction. The best investment any entrepreneur can get is called revenue. The more revenue you have, the more investment you can get if you cho- choose to go that route. Um, but at this point, there's so many different uh, new legislations and ways that you can raise money, whether it's an equity crowdfund. I've, I've seen some very successful campaigns get oversubscribed on platforms like WeFunder and Republic. Um, you know, the, the old adage is friends and family, but I find with, with these for times a lot of friends and family aren't pulling money out to invest in people's ideas especially if they don't have multiple exits at which point they probably don't need the money so i find people over glamorize raising money right and they say well i've got this great idea let me go see if someone wants to give me a million dollars and the reality is nobody wants to give anybody a million dollars for an idea right ideas literally come a dime a dozen if someone doesn't give you the million dollars you're going to forget all about the idea it's all about the execution. But again, at this point, people can look on the internet for three hours and find a no-code tool to build a free AI tool that they can sell. In three hours, in three hours, you can build your own product for free that you can go and sell on the market. Now, if people buy that and you want to raise money, great. Why? Because you've got product and you've got revenue. (laughs) Right? Now you're investable. But I find so many people focus on raising money, which is a full-time job. If you're focused on raising money when you're not ready, you're not building product, you're not selling product, you're you're not growing community to your point. So I think it's very binary. I think most people just you know shoot the shoot the gun and uh or jump the gun rather and really try to
0: raise some money before they're in are festival. So Corey, what is the what advice would you have to your younger self? So I love that
1: one and I'm I'm asked that often and I, I can't think of well, other than Maybe Lord how to code back then because back then it was more important. And I've spent hundreds of thousands or more on CTOs in my life. But other than that, the answer that I always give is to just love more. It's the same advice I give myself today or in the future, and that I give anybody else. I've never met a single person, and I met some people that have changed the world with their abundance of love. Uh, I've never seen anyone that was loving as much as they could or should be, and so. Had I loved myself and other people even more? Had I loved entrepreneurship even more? Yeah, I'll give you an analogy. If I loved myself more when I was younger,
0: I wouldn't have waited tables 80 hours a week for 20 years. (laughs) That's not love. (laughs) Well, that's really good good advice. Corey, if someone to reach out and and connect with you, I know you've got a lot of uh, people currently following you. Uh, how would they go ahead and, and uh, reach you if they have a great idea or they want to engage with your services?
1: So it's interesting. The way that I kind of became who I am on LinkedIn with a six-figure following of over half a million and all these things is I got on the right influencers' radars early. And I think most people were trying to get to them on LinkedIn, and they all had hundreds of thousands or millions of followers. And we, you know At this point, we all get hundreds or thousands of messages a day. So everyone else is messaging them on LinkedIn, sitting around going, Hey, this person or that person's not very nice. They don't get back to me. You go, well, they probably got 500 messages today. So I did what I encourage people to do when they want to get on any influencers radar, including mine, find them on Facebook, (laughs) find them on Instagram, find them on Twitter, right? When you go to their Twitter and they've got 800 followers or 3000 followers, all of a sudden you're in blue ocean, right? They might get a 500 messages a day on LinkedIn. They might get five messages a day on Twitter, right? And four of them are, are nothing. So the one that they get, that's actually someone that says, Hey, I love your stuff. I figured I'd, I'd approach you on Twitter. So you'd actually see this, by the way, I've got a great idea. Here's my pitch deck. I'd love your advice. I'd love for you to you know, consider joining our advisory board, whatever it might be. And frankly, I've probably missed hundreds of thousands of, of deals um, some people wanting my coaching services on LinkedIn because you just can't scroll through all those messages. But I'll tell you, when I get a message on Twitter or, or on Facebook and someone says, "Corey, I want to hire you as my coach so I can get 100,000 followers on LinkedIn and turn it into millions of revenue," I say, "Let's go. Here's my calendar link. Let's meet. All right? Let, let me hear what you're all about. Let me first make sure I can help you because I can't help everybody. I, I've understood kind of my archetype and my zone of genius, but." that's always the best way is find that find the people where the other people aren't bugging on, um, and, and reach out there. Uh, other, other than that, I, I'd encourage anyone to check out the uplift project. U P P L I F T will be making a lot more noise and, and more public with that very soon. Um, but if anybody's interested in universal basic income or web three as it pertains to AI, um, feel free to reach out to me directly via email. Um, I still have my old restaurant email uh, because I've had so many companies join me, and I'm Corey at this address and that address, and I can't put them all in my calendar. So i have just stuck with Gmail. I'm Corey the Wine Guy at gmail.com, and I like your audience. That's why they're getting the Gmail because I'm also Corey the Wine Guy at Yahoo for people that I don't necessarily care to hear from. But so that's C O R Y T H E W I N E g-u-y at gmail.com I check my inbox many times a day I'm one of the zero inbox kind of the guys I'm a neat freak in that way so yeah anybody that emails me especially if you mention American Dreams
0: and Alan um, I'd love to have a chat thank you Corey it's been a pleasure having you with us today on American Dreams